Good morning. And it is great to have you here in this place to gather to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ, to meet with our Heavenly Father who loves us, and to hear from His Word. So thank you for making the decision to come and be a part of this together as a church family. We're in a series that's been called Never. We started talking about the whole subject of temptation and how we should never give in. And we talked about how we should never turn back to the way we once lived. We can live a life of repentance, so never go back. And today, we're talking about an issue that will face all of us, is facing all of us, will face us in the future. That issue is trouble, 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 trouble. I will stop there. (laughs) We face trouble all the time. Trials, tribulations, tests. They hit every single one of us. Because of my role and position here in the church, I know what trouble is facing many of you. I know the trouble that I'm experiencing in my own life. So we need help in the midst of trouble because we face temptations to give up. But God has a word for us. And we're going to start in James chapter 1. So I'm going to put on the screen James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James says to count it joy when you suffer. I don't know the last time you felt joyful in the midst of a hardship. (laughs) He kind of turns the expectation of what we should feel or what we should experience in suffering on its head. So we should be joyful about that. But there's a reason we can experience joy in the midst of suffering because it says that As we go through the test, it builds within us, it produces steadfastness. Steadfastness means to be anchored. That as winds and waves of diagnoses or trials or decisions that others have made or poor decisions we have made buffet us, we remain firm. Because of the work of God that is available to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we can stand firm through any storm. We can endure any trial. We can face any trouble because of Him and Him alone. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at five areas of common testing for us. And I'm going to assign a verse of Scripture that matches each area of trial and test. I want this to be an equipping time that when you're in that, you have at least one go-to that you can hang on, that you can put on the dash of your car, that you can put on a mirror in your, in your bathroom. After we talk about those five areas, we're going to look at how your relationship with Jesus Christ is impacted as you go through trial. And then we'll finally close on what should you do when you're tested. Sound Okay. Man, we all face it. 
Trouble comes in various forms, and we even have an example from the Old Testament with a man named David. David was a shepherd boy who was anointed to become king of Israel. And as the as he grew and mature, he faced a lot of trouble. In fact, he was chased by, by warriors. And he found a physical place for refuge. It's called En Gedi. Here's a picture on the screen looking from the Dead Sea at En Gedi. It is a literal rock plateau, a strong tower, a stronghold. Cut on each side of it are two rivers, the Nahal Arugat and the Nahal David. I prefer that one. So you have these two rivers that cut around this rock fortress. And this whole area is, is fertile where the water flows. There are waterfalls through there in those valleys. It was a safe place where David could find comfort and shade. He hid in all kinds of caves. And this is a view of a cave looking out. And in the Psalms, we're going to see the word stronghold over and over and over. This is the literal place where David hid and met with God and found refuge when he was in trouble. So let's work through these five areas of testing. The first area we face is about pressure. Never give up when pressure rises. Doctors, they have a funny way about not talking about pain. They're going to say, you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. I'll tell you that pressure hurts. The pressure rises. Some of you are in, are in uh, work environments where you have to meet quarterly goals. And let's say you have an excellent quarter and you set a new record for your area. Well, guess what? That just became the expectation of the new norm for you. So now you have to perform as you did in the first quarter, the second, third, and fourth. You have to answer why you didn't sell as many cars the first quarter. And there's some pressure. Some of you are being forced to make decisions quickly about decisions in your life. Some of you are about to graduate high school and you're feeling a little bit of pressure. Pressure rises as responsibilities increase, as we get older, as we become responsible for more things, pressure increases. And sometimes we can crack under pressure. So when you are facing a test of pressure rising, here's a go-to verse or passage for you. It's found in Psalm 9, verses 9 through 10. Watch carefully, you're going to find our word. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. Those who have been pressed down, pressed back. A stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. The Lord is the one we run to when pressure rises. But that's common, isn't it? Here's another area. Never give up when pain increases. When pain increases. Doctors can talk about pressure all they want. We deal with pain. Pain of loss of loved ones. We've had a number of families within our church family uh, recently lost loved ones or are losing loved ones. So much to the point that my daughter asked me, Dad, is this the season for people to die? And I said, well, it doesn't work that way, but it sure feels that way. There's a lot of pain 
in our lives? What do you do? Where do you go? What do you have to equip you when you're filled with pain? I talked with a man just last night that for 40 years he has been in chronic pain. Every day he wakes up with the reality of his physical brokenness and his limitations. Yet, he still showed up and served for our men's work day. We experience pain. And I want to share with you my favorite simple verse when we're faced with pain. It's found in Nahum 1.7. Nahum 1.7. If you turn there, you can blow the dust off the pages. You probably haven't been in Nahum too long. It's okay. Nahum 1.7 says this, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. The key word in this passage is the word knows. That's the little translation of the Hebrew word. But if you look at this passage in other versions of the Bible, you'll find different English words that in place of the word know, you'll find the word care. You'll find the word protects. This idea of knowing is an intimate knowing. That maybe is experienced between a husband and a wife or a parent and a child. We know our loved ones. The problem with pain is that no one really knows what you're feeling when you're in pain. They can say, oh, I know how you feel, but inside you go, no, you don't. But there is one who knows us. He cares for us. He protects us. It's our Heavenly Father. Our circumstances are not good, but the Lord remains good. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. We want to be known. We want to be understood about how we feel and what we're facing. And only God understands you fully. Never give up. Especially when people disappoint. Stick around here long enough and I'm going to disappoint you. Why? Because I'm people and you're people. The problem with our church is it's filled with people. Disappointment comes when there are unmet expectations. We kind of have a standard of expected behavior amongst one another. And when someone doesn't meet those expectations, we're disappointed. Some of you parents have had to have had to watch your adolescent children, your adult children make damaging choices of their own. And it is disappointing and it is a burden to bear to watch them make decisions that may even move them further from the Lord than they were. Or you know the end result of their actions are simply going to reap more pain. And as a parent, that's not what you want for them. And so you have a choice. You can either try to jump in and take control. Or you can trust the Lord. And usually when we have a problem with people, we do one of two things. We get aggressive to take the matter into our own hands. Or we simply withdraw, not knowing what to do. And so we just kind of back off. But when people have disappointed us, we should not give up and we should seek His face before we rearrange theirs. We carry these disappointments around. 
Look at this in Psalm chapter 37, verse 39 to 40. It talks about when dealing with the wicked, it says the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Pressures rise, pain increases, people disappoint. And in this Old Testament, in these Old Testament passages, David and other writers keep saying, go to the Lord. He is your stronghold. He is your refuge. The greatest disappointment from people is from within. How many times have you not met your own expectations for yourself? Man, that was, wow, what was I thinking? We have a problem deep to our core and it is our greatest source of trouble and it is our sin. It's our selfishness, it's our pride, it's our self-protection. It's what we often turn to. And others get hurt in the process And because of our sin, we have offended a holy and pure and righteous God. And so the wrath of God is poured out on humanity. And God came into our world. He took on the form of a servant, took on flesh through the Son, Jesus Christ, to take the wrath of God for us. And His satisfaction of God's wrath is complete. It's done. In his words, it is what? Finished. For those who believe, for those who have not yet believed in Jesus Christ, the wrath of God remains. There is a punishment coming that is trouble. The heart of God is that none would perish, but all would have everlasting life through his Son, Jesus Christ. It is our greatest source of trouble. That's why God made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That in Him we might become right, the righteousness of God. Jesus makes us right with God. Gotta have Him. We must believe. You see, Jesus is now our stronghold, people. He is the one we turn to. He's the one we cry out to. He's the one we reach for when we are in trouble. He is the answer for our soul. A couple more areas. Never give up when persistence fades. Never give up when persistence fades. I wish our troubles would be short-lived. But often they're prolonged. And there is a grind to dealing with trouble and testing. We have things called endometriosis. We have things called cancer. We have things that that have a prolonged effect on attitudes and hormones and all this kind of stuff. And every day is a challenge and sometimes you just get tired. And you want to give up. Just stay in bed. Easier that way. Because of the resurrected Christ, the living Jesus, 
We have a different source of hope and strength within us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're, we're talking about the reality, we're taught about the reality of the resurrection of Christ. And here at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, we find this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The antidote to just fading back Fading away is to remain fervent in the strength that is given you through Christ to continue to love, to continue to serve, to have chronic pain for 40 years yet still show up to serve at a men's work day. It says that it roots you. You become steadfast, immovable. Let's be honest. It's not us who's immovable and unshaken. It is Christ in us. So this is a call to endure, to continue to love, to continue to serve, even though you're hurting. A great scene from Black Hawk Down, the the film, talking about what happened in Mogadishu. There's a young private who has been called to drive the jeep to get them out of harm's way. And he says to his commanding officer, but I'm shot. The guy said, everyone's shot. Shut up and drive. We're all shot. But there is a mission to complete and we have the power of God with us to press on. Never give up. Never give up when priorities get pressed. When priorities are pressed. Listen, when you came in here, you and I wanted the same thing. We want to live a life that leaves a good godly wake behind us where there are good results on one side of the water and good relationships on the other side. That's what we want. We come to this place to be renewed, to be refocused, to be rejuvenated. But then when we leave this place, we are instantly faced with life pressures and life demands that go for first place in our lives. We know it should be Jesus. You don't need a pastor to tell you because it's already written on your heart. You want it to be Christ, but often it becomes other things. Your career, your worries, your anxiousness, yourself, your children, your spouse, whatever. This person that you believe is going to fulfill your every heart's desire. Life becomes wrapped around that person. The problem with that person is that they will eventually disappoint. (laughs) My favorite thing to do with premarital counseling is to let people know that as they look lovingly into each other's eyes, that no one will hurt them in life more than that person. (laughs) We know our priority should be Jesus. So here's what we're reminded to in Matthew chapter 6. At the end of the worry chapter, the do not worry teachings of Jesus for us, he calls us to... Our priority, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. What a great verse to put in front of you, to hang in your home, in your vehicle, as the background screen on your mobile device. We've got to have truth at the ready. Because we're always in trouble. 
And usually, it's never just one of these five areas. It's usually combinations of them. That's what almost makes it that much worse. Oh, if it was just people. But it's not. In January 24, January 24, 2013, uh, the life of my family changed. My wife had been seeing floaters in her vision. And so it was bothering her, so she decided that she'd make an appointment with our optometrist and then go to Hobby Lobby, because she's crafty. (laughs) She went to see the optometrist. The optometrist looked into her eye, immediately recognized that something was not right. He put a blood pressure cuff on her, which read 225 over 165. He said, you must go to the ER right now. I came, picked her up, took her to the ER. And, you know, a lot of times when you go to the ER, you have to play the waiting game. Uh, They didn't do that with us. They took her in and immediately CAT scans and EKGs and EEGs and all those things, drew blood work, and then then the waiting began. When you're in a trial, sometimes you learn about words that you never knew existed, like hypertensive crisis. It wasn't floaters in her vision. Her eyes were hemorrhaging through strokes. And everything became unknown. The physician came in and talked with us, and he said, uh, we're going to move you to ICU. And through all this time, Amy felt fine. She, remember, she was going to Hobby Lobby. And so I had to take care of my children that evening. I had to leave my wife in intensive care, went home. My son at the age of seven says, is she dead? I said, no, no. Is she going to die? I said, she's where she needs to be and we're going to pray. Then he changed subjects really quickly. Something not too appropriate for this occasion. (laughs) As we were trying to figure out what was going on with her blood pressure and the damage to her eyes, we became aware of another issue with her heart. And then there was the threat of a genetic heart condition that would have ramifications for her the rest of her life as well as potentially for our children. Awesome. We found out that those two uh, issues were unrelated. How about that? So two mysterious issues, completely unrelated, and we didn't know what was going to happen. So we just kept taking the next steps and the next steps and going to the next appointments and cardiology appointments here, cardiology appointments at KU Med. Her eyes eventually restored. The eye specialist at Tallgrass said, you understand that someone made sure these occurred in her eye and not somewhere else. You understand that, right? We said, oh, yes, sir. We know who our refuge is. She's doing well. Ended up with restored eyes. And we never really did get a diagnosis on what was going on with her heart. I guess she just has a big heart. I always thought she did. 
I asked for her permission to tell this story, and she gave it. I also asked for permission to read her journal. My wife is very faithful when it comes to writing in the journal. She has written on every page of her journals. I believe it's a matter of pride. (laughs) You can pray for her. And I went back to those days in January and February and March and I read every journal entry and she asked for healing of the Lord, but she said on a regular daily basis, may this result to the praise of your name, to the praise of your glory, whatever the outcome. Through that trial, in a way that we had not experienced before, our relationship with Jesus was forged anew. You see, when you endure through the trial with faith in Christ, it proves He is real, He is present, and He is sufficient. Enduring through trials with Jesus has proven to develop three things, and I can speak from experience that these things are truly developed in those who hang on to the hand of the Lord in trial. And the first is a genuine faith. Our faith is really real. There is a lasting hope Life with Jesus is not based on wishful thinking. It is based on the assurance that He is the anchor for our soul. He will never move. He will not be shaken. The Dead Sea is no threat to that rock fortress. Neither is our trouble to our Lord Jesus. He is a lasting hope. And what will also be proven is a deeper love. Faith, hope, and love remain, but the most excellent and the greatest of these is love. As you endure through the trials and the troubles that you face, there is forged within you a deeper love for Christ. That is why it is good to spend time with those who have gray, white, or receding hair. Why? Because they have a genuine faith, a lasting hope, and a deeper love for the Lord. They give you perspective when you seek them out for counsel because of what they've been carried through. Those of you who are north of the age of 70 are one of the greatest blessings and gifts to this church. A church where over 40% of attendees are under the age of 19. We need your perspective. We need your example. Never give up. I want to close with what do you do when you're in a test? What do you do? How many of you remember Scantrons from college? Those were those dreaded sheets of paper that had multiple choice on them. And you would take these tests and 
I was okay with multiple choice as long as they didn't start putting combinations of answers. Is it A and B or is it C and D? I always knew it was one of them, right? You always know it's one of them. But when you're in a test, don't do what you did when you took those tests or when you're taking those tests in school. And that's to don't do a bunch of self-talk. You need to say something else to yourself. You need to tell yourself the truth. That's the first action step. Tell yourself the truth. Before you choose to cope, before you choose to whine, before you choose to complain, before you choose to just spill all your pain out on everybody else, tell yourself the truth. I'm going to go back to one of my favorite verses, Nahum 1.7. Here's what we're going to do. This section over here, you ready? Repeat after me. The Lord is good. good. A refuge in the day, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. You come over to this section. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. He knows those who take refuge in Him. A stronghold in the day of trouble. The Lord is good. You must tell yourself the truth where you take your heart. Because He's there to be found by you. He's there. Your circumstances are not good. Miscarriage is not good. Loss, pain, debt, financial ruin, not good. God is. The Lord is good. A stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. Tell yourself the truth. You've got to have this in your heart. Because when you're squeezed, something's coming out. And it needs to be Scripture. Second action step, mourn the pain you feel. Mourn the pain you feel. Somewhere along the lines, we get this impression that Christians don't feel hurt or something, and that to to somehow feel pain and, and and to say that I don't like this, Makes it feel like our, maybe our faith is weak or, or that we just aren't strong enough of a, of a believer to, to do this because I, I, I shouldn't feel this way. Well, I'm sorry, you can't shut that off. Better to mourn it now than for it to chase you and find you later because it will come back. To suppress emotion about what you don't like happening will come back. Mourn the pain you feel. We cried. I cried when I saw what was happening to my wife and it was beyond my control. You gotta get it out. God can take it. Do not stuff it. Mourn the pain you feel. And then finally, this, this last action step, it blows people's minds. Meet the needs you can. 
This goes back to continuing to labor and toil. In the midst of your pain, you, the one in trouble, meet the needs you can. If you are connected to IVs and on a hospital bed, you can still pray for others. Meet the needs you can. Press on in the midst of your trouble. Continue to love. I'm telling you, there's something redeeming and restoring and healing about continuing to love and to serve and to lay your life down to the degree you're able. It brings you joy to see God continue to work through you even though you're hurting. It gives people an unbelievable picture where they're left to say, I don't understand how you do it with all you're facing. I'll say it because she's not in here. We have a lady battling a very, very difficult road with cancer. Yet she's at the involvement center and the welcome center and connecting point and loving and serving in the midst of her very real trial. Why? Jesus is her stronghold and she will never give up. We pray with me. Father, I look around this room and I see the faces of men and women and students that I know are in trouble. Who have been in trouble. Lord, it's all of us. Thank you, first and foremost, for stepping into our condition and taking our greatest trouble, our sin, on yourself. Thank you for making a way out of the, of the eternal wrath of God to have eternal life. Lord, may all who are here believe and respond to the good news of Jesus. Lord, for those of us who are in the midst of a trial and are being tested, may we experience your provision and your protection. You are good, our stronghold in the day of trouble. Thank you for knowing us. Thank you for loving us. We want to respond now to worship you, God, because you alone are worthy of our praise. Amen.